Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today, we have Scott Maurer. Scott is an attorney and the director of business development for Advanta IRA, a nationwide self-directed IRA administrator. Scott has worked for Advanta since 2006, helping thousands of people invest in alternative investments and assets, mainly real estate, using their IRAs and old 401ks. So thank you so much for being on the show, Scott. Thanks, Charles. I'm uh, happy to be here and hopefully uh, share some good knowledge and information with your listeners. Yeah, no, I, I bet you will. So um, what was your background, Scott, prior to starting with Advanta? Yeah, as, as you mentioned, I started with Advanta back in 2006. I've been, been with the company for, for quite a while now. But before that, uh, actually right before that, uh, I actually was graduate. I was in law school. Um, so I'm, I'm an attorney by degree. I don't do legal work for our clients. Uh, but I came out of law school. The uh, owner of Advanta is also an attorney, uh, also a CFP. So I, I, I met Jack that way. And uh, started working then with him and the company. And at that point, I was uh, one of four people uh, full-time that we had on staff. And we're now up to over 25 people in two different offices, hopefully going to be three here soon, uh, in a couple different locations. So uh, that, my prior experience was in law school. Actually, even before law school, I was, in, uh, I was actually in recreation, which was a lot of fun, okay. uh, doing a lot of youth programming for the uh, city, uh, city of Clearwater here in the Tampa Bay area. So, Okay, awesome. Um, so tell us a little bit about a self-directed IRA if someone doesn't know and uh, how and why someone would use it. Sure. So a self-directed IRA, it's important to, to think for anyone who's listening and hasn't heard that term before. Self-directed refers to your ability to invest in things outside of maybe what a brokerage firm or what a bank may limit you to doing on their platform. So if you have an account with a brokerage firm, they typically limit you to investing in only the products that they sell. But IRS regulations allow for you to, to invest in quite a number of different types of assets. So a self-directed IRA could be a self-directed traditional IRA or a self-directed Roth. Um, but what it's allowing you to do is get your money maybe out of the stock market, out of those maybe more conventional assets and invest in things that you know, things that you understand and can, can, and can control. So a lot of what our clients invest in uh, with their our IRAs and doing self-directed accounts is, is real estate-based assets from single family homes, to multifamily syndications, to notes and mortgages. There are a lot of different things you can do once you get it outside of that brokerage account. So you know, people typically looking to use these accounts because they're either not comfortable with the stock market, uh, A, uh, and, and maybe want to have some diversity, or B, they, they found a great investment opportunity that came up uh, in real estate or, or something like that where they can't do that through the IRA that they have uh, with a brokerage firm. So they use us uh, in order to make that happen. Okay, great. And I mean, I, I imagine if people haven't heard of a self-directed IRA, you, they've definitely heard of different retirement plans we have here. Why don't you know major brokerage firms and banks offer self-directed IRAs? Uh, for, I mean, the, the answer, Charles, is that actually that they could if they wanted to, but the, the reasons why they don't is it doesn't fit their business model. They are structured in a way to make money off either you buying and selling mutual funds or stocks on, on a platform that is very easy for them to um, you know, when you can go, you can click online to just go buy a stock or, or buy a mutual fund or to sell, sell those assets. When you talk about self-directed assets, you know, especially when people, if you consider real estate, let's take a real estate syndication, for example, there are 
uh, offering documents, syndication uh, paperwork, you know, subscription documents that have to be completed and physically filled out in order for your IRA to, or even you as an individual to become an investor. The banks and brokerage firms are simply not set up uh, to handle those types of assets. That's why they don't do it. It would cost them a lot more in manpower and other processes they would have to do. And their bread and butter really is buying and letting you buy and sell publicly traded assets. And so that's just simply how they're set up. Yeah, it makes perfect sense because the amount of manual labor, I guess you'd say, that has to be done um, is it is automated as me buying, you know, an index fund or a mutual fund or something right online. So exactly, they, they would have to bring in, you know, more staff and train staff, probably, you know, this is, again, something that, uh, you know, people who've ever talked to their broker about a self-directed IRA, you'll find out a lot of times that they have no idea what they are, because they're not brought up in the world. So you're talking about retraining a lot of people and, and going, you know, creating whole new divisions of individuals, again, and that's not how they're set up to make money. So that's typically why they, they don't offer it. So how can someone utilize a self-directed IRA to generate tax deferred or uh, tax-free gains when investing in real estate? Sure. So the, the benefits that an IRA, just in general, we'll talk about that in general, just for the benefits of investing through an IRA account, whether it's a traditional or Roth, SEP uh, IRAs or 401ks, is that the IRS gives you tax breaks for the gains that come back into your account. So as a stock appreciates and you sell it, and the gain, if you're doing that inside of an IRA, there's no tax consequence. Uh, to you as that is all happening inside of the IRA account. Same principle involved when you're investing in real estate. So if you owned a single family house and you get rental income each month, or you sell the house five years later and make a profit, the gains from that real estate sale are treated the same way that the gains from a stock or mutual fund would be. Um, so the IRS has given us these tax benefits to encourage people to save money inside of an IRA um, and and by, by giving you those tax breaks, hopefully you'll put more money into it. You'll utilize the account and whatever asset that you purchase, whether it's real estate, uh, you know, properties, syndications, notes, mortgages, all the different things you can do. The income all comes back to the IRA with no tax consequence to you. And so again, regardless of the type of asset and the reason, again, the IRS does that is they want to actually encourage people to, to save money inside of an IRA, use their IRA account so that. When you hit retirement age, the more money you have saved for yourself, the less re reliant you will be on government programs. So they give us these tax breaks inside of an IRA. And again, it doesn't matter if it, the asset is real estate, a stock, a mutual fund, a syndication, that income is coming back tax, tax deferred back to the account. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great program from the government to be able to do that. And um, what types of investments can you make in a self-directed retirement account? I know we talk a lot about real estate and that's what we do, but what, what else can you do through it? So really there's, sometimes it's important to maybe understand what you can't do through, through the self-directed account, but yeah, real estate, you know, single family homes, rehabs, rentals, syndications, notes, mortgages, tax liens, all those things in the real estate field. Uh, outside of real estate, we see a lot of people invest into privately held stock you know, of, of a private company. Uh, people investing in hedge funds, gold or silver, uh, cryptocurrency, Forex. Again, the, the, it's almost limitless. The only things you cannot invest in with your IRA or retirement accounts is you cannot buy life insurance and you cannot buy collectibles. Those are the two prohibited investments inside of an account. So outside of those two investments, just about any kind of uh, other asset you can hold inside of an IRA. Now, the only other caveat to that is if you're looking to buy real estate, you can't be looking to buy real estate that you're going to use on a personal basis. You cannot buy a vacation home. You can't buy a, 
a primary residence. It's got to be strictly for investment. But outside of life insurance and collectibles, really, we've, we've seen some really unique investments. Uh, but still, most of what we see is, is real estate based. So um, I know it gets kind of murky too. If you're buying a house, you don't live in it and you're like renting it to a sibling or something, which is considered personal and that's uh, forbidden as well. Yeah, you have to, yeah. For, for your IRA, there are certain disqualified persons you, who cannot transact with your IRA. That includes yourself, uh, a spouse, parents and grandparents, kids and grandkids. Siblings are technically not disqualified. So in theory, you could rent a house to a sibling. But as you said, it gets a little murky that are you are you charging your sibling a, a market rent? Um, are you going to stay you know to, to to visit them in that house while they own it? So, yeah, if you if you stay away from family members and deal just with third parties, uh, a lot of those rules and issues go right go out the window. So, um, you know, you talk when we're we're talking about assets you can purchase, and uh, it's pretty cool. I never even thought about the hedge funds. I wasn't even thinking that way. Uh, you have clients that have actually purchased foreign real estate through their self directed IRA. How does that work? It wouldn't even be something that I would uh, I would imagine that it would be possible. Yeah, so it's um, the foreign real estate. The issue that only ever comes up is for us is the rules of the country in which someone's looking to invest in. So again, the IRS restriction is no life insurance, no collectibles, and you know, and no vacation homes. But there is no limitation on buying real estate in the U.S. or outside the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, so the issues that do arise just come up from the laws of that local country. Uh, for example, we've had a, a couple of different clients who've purchased uh, investment property in Costa Rica. Uh, and Costa Rican law requires that real estate be owned either by a Costa Rican citizen or a Costa Rican corporation or entity. So the client to buy the property in Costa Rica had to set up a Costa Rican corporation or entity to buy the property through. Uh, and then we've seen that happen in a few other countries as well. Um, so it's, it's not a limitation from the IRS per se. It's just what the laws of that country require. And usually, like I said, there's an easy workaround of setting up a domestic entity in that, in that country for your IRA to invest through and then ultimately hold the real estate. And then it's, it's really working the same way as if the property was you know, in, your, in your neighborhood or in your state, all the income still is flowing back to the IRA tax deferred. So what are some of the most unique investments you have, uh, you've made or seen made through a self-directed IRA in your uh, 15 years? Yeah, I think uh, a couple of them come to mind. We had, I've had, I saw two different movies, uh, movie projects uh, that people invested in. One was a uh, comedy. I think they went straight to video. <laughs> I looked at the prospectus. It didn't look like it was going to be a big hit, um, but it was something, you know, again, where someone was raising, you know, a couple million dollars or more in, in a private placement for that movie. So that was, there was one, like I said, straight to video comedy. There was another a documentary film that somebody was raising capital for to, to be able to use that money. So the IRA was a passive investor uh, in that project. Um, I still think the most, uh, the other unique things I saw someone invest in an alpaca, like a farm animal oh. <laughs> um, and, and made, made money basically in shedding season when they were, they were able to sell the fur uh, from the alpaca, which is, is valuable and had somebody buy a mausoleum crypt. Um, for those of you who don't know, mausoleum crypts actually have titles. You, when you buy one while you're still alive, it has a title on it. And our client uh, basically came across a deal where he was getting like a two for one deal. Uh, somebody, <laughs> somebody, somebody was selling two crypts and he says, hey, these are, these usually are twice as expensive as that. So he bought them inside of his IRA, kind of just to like to flip them at some point, basically <laughs> and make a profit. Oh, wow. If there's a will, there's a way, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
So um, this is another thing I found interesting when we were talking earlier is that uh, you actually have foreign clients that have self-directed IRAs to Advanta. So why would they have that? And uh, about half of our listeners, Scott, just so giving you background, are uh, foreign, are foreign based. Right. So it, the reason we have foreign clients is because at some point, uh, those individuals have worked for, uh, or wor maybe they've worked in the U.S. at some point, or they've worked for a U.S.-based company mm -hmm. in which they were offered a 401, possibly offered a 401k plan uh, through that company. So even somebody who may be working overseas, or they're working for a U.S.-based company, um, may have a 401k that is established and subject to the, you know, to the laws of the, of the United States. So once they leave that employer, they're able to move that money from that 401k to an IRA account. So even though they're not a U.S. citizen, the requirement to have an IRA is not you know, nationality. It's whether or not you have a U.S.-based ba US income and therefore a U.S.-based uh, retirement account. So anyone who's worked for a U.S. company or who's lived here for a little while might have built up some funds in a, in a retirement account that they were paying you know, they were paying already income taxes to the U.S. and they were deferring some of that into the 401k. They were able to take that money then uh, and roll it to an IRA once they left that employer. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a, a great thing and a great option for uh, people that uh, aren't aren't U.S. don't live in the U.S. Um, or don't live there anymore. So, um, yeah, there's, there's so there's some restriction. You, you can't necessarily keep contributing if you no longer have U.S. based mm -hmm. income. But if you did have it at one point and you had that 401k, then you can still use the account. You just can't add anything more to it uh, as far as out of your own pocket. So I was reading up on self-directed IRAs and uh, I had a question. They have these uh, checkbook control accounts and say for, so for our listeners, uh, say for example, uh, I'm a hard money lender and I make investments frequently, right? And on rather short notice, if anybody's ever worked with a hard money lender, it's a, a pretty quick process. And if I want to utilize my self-directed IRA, is there a possibility of setting up checkbook control to make the process of funding loans faster and easier? There is. So it, you can basically hold your investments at advance almost in one of one of two ways. One is having us as the administrator hold the assets. So in your example, every time you needed to, you wanted to make a hard money loan, you would contact us. Uh, we'd have the cash sitting here. You'd let us know what, what, what the loan was going to be. We'd need, we would need to see the loan paperwork, et cetera before we could release funds out of the account. And typically that process can take you know, two to three, four days, just depending on, on who's involved. So that's one way is to have us actually hold the asset and hold title to it and do all the administration. The checkbook option involves you setting up a typically a limited liability company or an LLC that is 100% owned by your IRA account. And what you would do in that scenario, rather than having Advanta hold on to your cash and issue funds out for each different investment as they come up, you can actually upfront have us send the cash in your IRA to the LLC, to an LLC bank account. And from there, you can, you as the manager of the LLC can disperse and hold those different loans. So it's kind of taking the cash out of the account with us, putting it into an LLC bank account. And the LLC, it's there's, you know, we want to see documents that your IRA owns that LLC. But then from there, that cash is in an account that you can control to issue those hard money loans out at, at, at your convenience and, and possibly working much more quickly, not paying nearly as much in fees because you're handling a lot of that paperwork. You do still have to follow the rules, like you can't lend money to yourself and those disqualified persons we talked about, but it does give you a greater degree of control for sure. Okay, awesome. Is that something where you, you guys would assist someone doing that? I imagine you've done it before. 
Absolutely. We have plenty of clients that have done it. We do not set up the LLC. Mm -hmm. So even though I mentioned I'm an attorney and I I could, I I know how to do it, I'm not permitted to do so. Uh, But we certainly have referrals to attorneys or CPAs that can help you set up the LLC. Um, We have, uh, we've had a number of clients that do it themselves as well. So um, we, we don't assist with that process. We certainly can help with the IRA. Uh, getting that set up, getting the money moved, and then giving you all of the instructions you need and possibly, again, referring you to somebody who can help set up that LLC for, for 500 or 600 yeah. bucks. Okay. Awesome. That's great. Uh, so what does the process look like from start to finish? Say I'm in, I want to invest passively F, and I have an existing retirement account and uh, I want to work with this through a self-directed IRA, for example. So the, the process involves um, is, is a couple is couple different steps in the process. First step is, would be opening up the account. So it's, it's filling out our paperwork to establish the IRA, similar to the, the documents and paperwork you'd fill out to open up a bank account. Uh, and in that packet and in that initial part of the process, you would let us know where your funds are currently held. They're either held in another IRA with another firm, or maybe they're held in an old employer's plan, like an old 401k or 403b plan. Uh, once you let us know where those funds are at, we will help you then pull those monies from those other, those other custodians into the self-directed IRA. Now, just I always want to point out, uh, you do not have to move your entire balance. Yeah. So if you came across an investment that was, uh, you needed $100,000 for the investment, but you got $200,000 in your IRA, you only need to move that $100,000 to us to make that, that alternative investment. So the first step is, is opening the account uh, this, and, and then also then transferring money from another IRA or rolling over from a 401k. Once we get the account established, the second phase kind of kicks in where you tell us what it is that you want to invest in, um, whether that is a piece of real estate, a syndication, a note or mortgage, basically filling out this paperwork and, and, and telling us, hey, this is what I want to invest in. We look over the documents, look over the paperwork, uh, make sure it properly shows your IRA account uh, as the owner. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And then, so that's great. That was one of my questions going to be about um, moving over a a portion of it or all of it. Can I still, can you still make contributions to say you had a, for instance, a Roth IRA, and then you had a self-directed Roth uh, 401k or is that, or however it works. Can you do contributions if you're still underneath that, that maximum? You can. So a self-directed IRA again, works just like the IRA traditional or Roth IRA would work with the ability to make contributions and do other things. Um, So nothing is different there. The only thing the IRS limits you on an annual basis Mm -hmm. is how much you can put in out of pocket into one of those accounts. So you're limited, for instance, for Roth IRA to put in up to $6,000 a year uh, into the account. Mm -hmm. That's if you have a self-directed account and a regular IRA, it's 6,000 between both of them. So uh, you can make that contribution directly to the account. Um, with us, to, with the other firm, however you decide to do it. Uh, again, another important thing to note, again, there's no restriction on how much you can transfer between accounts. There's, there's no limitation there. There's also no limitation on earnings mm. within an account. So although you, you're limited to say $6,000 a year out of pocket into a Roth, there is no limitation at all on the earnings in the accounts. So if you're in an investment that's spitting off 10, 20 grand of income a year, that's, that's fine. There, there is no limitation on that. Interesting. Okay, great. So uh, just so our listeners know, Scott and Advanta recently assisted uh, one of our passive investors on investing into uh, one of our recent real estate projects with a self-directed IRA. And unlike other IRA companies and our investors have used, 
Uh, Avanta has another level of verification, as you, I guess you would say, uh, that you can use, be, that they use uh, prior to dispersing funds. Can you tell us a little bit about that when you speak to, say, for example, in our situation where you're speaking to us to sponsor on that? Yeah, so uh, we want to make sure uh, when we're, we're making an investment, one of our primary duties to our clients is is the security of their funds and their investment and making sure that they have approved the investment, make sure they understand what's going on. So before we sign documents, uh, before we wire money out of somebody's account for an investment, we go through and make sure the client has reviewed and approved all the paperwork. Uh, and that includes actually the wiring instructions and kind of the additional level of verification we will do as well. Once we have all this approved by the client, we also will call the investment provider in this case, you know, Charles, you're, you and your group call up and say, hey, we want to make sure these are the correct wiring instructions and verify them with you on the phone as well. Because uh, the last thing we want to do is send money out to the wrong account um, and then have to try to get it back. That's that's not being a responsible custodian of our clients. Um, and so that's that's an extra step that we do is verifying, again, all the details with the client, but also then verifying the details with the investment provider as well. Yeah, just verifying the wire instruction. That's one of my biggest fears when we're sending out information. And at that time when we're actually doing a raise and we're buying a property, and you have to keep on just letting people know, you know, we're not emailing you anything. It's all through the portal that we have. And I'm so worried about someone sending money the other to another place. So we really, really verify it. So it's great that you guys are there as another layer of verification of protection, I guess you would say, uh, between you and them wiring money to an account that you'll never get the money back from um, if it's the wrong one. So Exactly. That's, you know, once once you click send, it's it's gone. And, you know, and then, I mean, if something that happened, usually a, a, you can get banks to reverse the wire or, or check into it or put a hold on it, but that's not guaranteed. And so that's the reason why we make sure we put that other, that extra level in there. So have, when you're working with uh, all these different investors that are going in alternative assets, what, what mistakes do you commonly see or have you seen people make, um, whether they are the holder of the 401k or whether they are um, maybe working with the sponsor directly um, and they're, you know, they're obviously it has to be passive. Where have they not set up the 401k it takes it, you know, they have to spend more time before they set it up or what other issues have you seen um, in, in regards to that? A couple of things. I think one, sometimes people think that, you know, in this day and age with sending money, uh, when you, you can log on to your smartphone and transfer money between accounts or Venmo or whatnot, send money to a friend, that everything just happens right away. And, and with when you're transferring money from another IRA or rolling over from a 401k, in some cases that transfer can happen within a, just a few days. Sometimes it does take a few weeks and it really depends on where that money is coming from. And that's something that we, again, try to educate people up front on is the expectation if you're moving money from a Fidelity versus a Merrill Lynch, even though they used to, you think they're the same company or they both do brokerages, they both have different processes and processing times. So it's, it's understanding up front that it's, the process is going to take at least a week from the time we get the account open, sometimes up to two, maybe three weeks, depending on who your other custodian is. So I think not allowing enough time is one. Uh, as far as we've, we've certainly had some people that had their investments not pan out to, to what they thought that would happen. And I think there, the mistake the client had was maybe not doing enough due diligence um, or you're not fully understanding the investment. And they kind of jumped in with both feet without really truly understanding. And that's not our role at Advanta. Uh, our role is to hold the asset and invest in what you direct us to do and have you approve of the documents for us and, and tell us that you know, this is what you want to do. Um, so it's important uh, always when you're going to make an investment to do your due diligence on the investment sponsors, the paperwork, uh, and be comfortable, uh, you know, obviously in doing what you want to do. Right. 
Yeah, definitely for sure. So I know uh, Scott from a meetup he has in Tampa that he co-hosts. And uh, Scott, tell us more about how our listeners can learn more about you and your company and any type of events you guys do. Sure. You can go to our website at advantaira.com. Um, and on there, you'll get a couple of things. There's links to, there's an events link where you can sign up for any of our free webinars that we have. Uh, we usually offer one or two a week uh, on different topics related to self-directed IRAs and in real estate or even other, other investments outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so advantaira.com, you can also link to our YouTube, you find a link to our YouTube page, which if you missed a webinar, you can go to our YouTube to watch watch it you know, a day or two later. And you can also certainly access all of the other prior recorded webinars that we've, we've had in the past. So I would encourage you to, to go to advantaira.com or just call me directly. Uh, number is 727-581-9853. And my direct extension is 1123. You can just give me a call if you have a specific question on your account that you don't think a webinar or our website's really going to answer because it's a little more specific than that. Call me directly. I'm happy to walk through, answer your questions and go through what that process looks like. Yeah. And one last thing to any listeners, if you are a sponsor and you want to offer this as an additional way for your passive investors to invest, um, you don't have to learn everything. Uh, Just reach out to Scott. And then when you have someone that's interested, exactly what I do, I just send the information to Scott and uh, Scott takes care of it and kind of keeps me an update as we go through the process, as he says, uh, you know, allow the, you know, the two to three weeks, because that's sometimes how long it will take. So make sure that you start it early in the process and that uh, the sponsor that you're investing through, if you're a limited partner, they're aware of what you're doing. Um, you don't want to tell them at the last hour that, um, hey, you know, I want to use my self-directed IRA because as Scott was saying, it's a very long-term process. So what I'll do is I'll put all those links into the show notes. And I want to thank Scott so much for coming on the show today. Hey, Charles, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Hi guys, it's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at schedulecharles.com. That's schedulecharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Harborside Partners Incorporated exclusively.